Section 44 of Jataka Tales by H. T. Francis and E. J. Thomas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Three Wise Birds Once upon a time Brahmadatta ruled in Benares and had no heir, and his prayer for a son or daughter was not answered. Now one day he went with a large escort to his park, and after amusing himself a part of the day in the grounds, he had a couch spread for him at the foot of the royal sal tree, and after a short nap he awoke, and, looking up to the sal tree, he beheld a bird's nest in it, and at the sight of it a desire to possess it sprang up in his heart, and summoning one of his attendants he said, "'Climb the tree and see if there is anything in the nest or not.' The man climbed up, and finding three eggs in it, told the king. "'Then mind you, do not breathe over them,' he said, and spreading some cotton in a casket, he told the man to come down gently and place the eggs in it. When they had been brought down, he took up the casket and asked his courtiers to what bird these eggs belonged. They answered, "'We do not know. Hunters will know.' The king sent for the hunters and asked them. "'Sire,' said they, one is an owl's egg, another is a mina bird's, and the third is a parrot's. Pray, are there eggs of three different birds in one nest? Yes, sire. When there is nothing to fear, what is carefully deposited does not perish. The king, being pleased, said, They shall be my children. And committing the three eggs to the charge of three courtiers, he said, These shall be my children. Do you carefully watch over them, and when the young birds come out of the shell, let me know. They took good care of them. First of all, the owl's egg was hatched, and the courtier sent for a hunter and said, Find out the sex of the young bird, whether it is a cock or a hen bird. And when he had examined it and declared it to be a cock bird, the courtier went to the king and said, Sire, a son is born to you. The king was delighted, and bestowed much wealth on him, and saying, Watch carefully over him, and call his name Vesantara. He sent him away. He did as he was told. Then a few days afterwards the egg of the mina bird was hatched, and the second courtier likewise, after getting the huntsman to examine it, and hearing it was a hen-bird, went to the king and announced to him the birth of a daughter. The king was delighted, and gave to him also much treasure, and saying, Watch carefully over my daughter, and call her name Kundalini, he sent him away. He also did what he was told. Then after a few days the parrot's egg was hatched, and the third courtier, when told by the huntsman who examined it that it was a cockbird, went and announced to the king the birth of a son. The king was delighted, and paying him liberally, said, Hold a festival in honor of my son with great pomp, and call his name Jambuka, and then sent him away. He, too, did as he was told. And these three birds grew up in the houses of the three courtiers with all the ceremony due to princes. The king spoke of them habitually as my son and my daughter. His courtiers made merry one with another, saying, Look at what the king does! He goes about speaking of birds as his son and his daughter. The king thought, These courtiers do not know the extent of my children's wisdom. I will make it evident to them. So he sent one of his ministers to Vesantara to say, Your father wishes to ask you a question. When shall he come and ask it? The minister came, and bowing to Vesantara, delivered the message. 
Vicentara sent for the courtier who looked after him and said, "'My father, they tell me, wants to ask me a question. When he comes, we must show him all respect.' And he asked, "'When is he to come?' The courtier said, "'Let him come on the seventh day from this.' Vicentara, on hearing this, said, "'Let my father come on the seventh day from this.' And with these words he sent the minister away. He went and told the king. On the seventh day the king ordered a drum to be beaten through the city, and went to the house where his son lived. Vesantara treated the king with great respect, and had great respect paid even to the slaves and hired servants. The king, after partaking of food in the house of Vesantara, and enjoying great distinction, returned to his own dwelling-place. Then he had a big pavilion erected in the palace-yard, and having made proclamation by beating a drum through the city, he sat in his magnificent pavilion surrounded by a great retinue, and sent word to a courtier to conduct Vesantara to him. The courtier brought Vesantara on a golden stool. The bird sat on his father's lap, and played with his father, and then went and sat on the stool. Then the king, in the midst of the crowd of people, questioned him as to the duty of a king, and spoke the first stanza. "'Tis this I ask, Vesantara, dear bird, mayst thou be blessed, to one that's fain o'er men to reign, what course of life is best? Vesantara, without answering the question directly, reproved the king for his carelessness, and spoke the second stanza. Kamsa, my sire, who Kasi won so careless long ago, urged me, his son, though full of zeal, still greater zeal to show. Rebuking the king in this stanza, and saying, Sire, a king ought to rule his kingdom righteously, abiding in the three truths. And telling of a king's duty, he spoke these stanzas. First of all, should a king put away all falsehood and anger and scorn, let him do what a king has to do, or else to his vow be forsworn. By passion and sin led astray, should he err in the past, it is plain. He will live to repent of the deed, and will learn not to do it again. When a prince in his rule groweth slack, untrue to his name and his fame, should his wealth all at once disappear, of that prince it is counted as shame. Tis thus that good fortune and luck when asked this answer have told, I delight in a man from jealousy free, energetic, and bold. Ill luck ever wrecking good fortune, delighteth in men of ill deeds, the hard-hearted creatures in whom a spirit of jealousy breeds. To all, O great king, be a friend, so that all may thy safety ensure. Ill luck put away, but to luck that is good be a dwelling secure. The man that is lucky and bold, O thou that o'er Kasi dost reign, will destroy root and branch and his foes, and to greatness will surely attain. For Saka himself, O king, in energy wearieth not, in virtue he firmly hath stood, through energy such is his lot. Gandharvas, the fathers and gods, are refreshed by such zeal of a king, and spirits appearing stand by, of his vigor and energy sing. By zealous to do what is right, nor, however reviled, yield to sin. Be earnest in efforts for good, no sluggard can bliss ever win. Herein is the text of thy duty, to teach thee the way thou shouldst go. Tis enough to win bliss for a friend, or to work grievous ill for a foe. 
Thus did the bird Vesentara in a single stanza rebuke the carelessness of the king, and then in telling the duty of a king in eleven stanzas answered his question with all the charm of a Buddha. The hearts of the multitude were filled with wonder and amazement, and innumerable shouts of applause were raised. The king was transported with joy, and addressing his courtiers asked them what was to be done for his son for having spoken thus. "'He should be made a general in the army, sire.' "'Well, I give him the post of general.' And he appointed Vesentara to the vacant post. Thenceforth placed in this position, he carried out his father's wishes. Here ends the story of Vesentara's question." Again, the king, after some days, just as before, sent a message to Kundalini, and on the seventh day he paid her a visit, and returning home again, he seated himself in the center of a pavilion and ordered Kundalini to be brought to him. And when she was seated on a golden stool, he questioned her as to the duty of a king, and spoke this stanza. Kundalini of Kshatriya birth, couldst thou resolve my quest? to one that's fain o'er men to reign what course of life is best when the king thus asked her as to the duties of a king she said i suppose sir you are putting me to the test thinking what will a woman be able to tell me so i will tell you putting all your duty as a king into just two maxims and she repeated these stanzas the matter my friend is set forth in a couple of maxims quite plain to keep whatsoever one has, and whatever one has not to gain. Take as counsellors men that are wise, thy interests clearly to see, not given to riot and waste, from gambling and drunkenness free. Such a one as can guard thee aright, and thy treasure with all proper zeal. As a charioteer guides his car, he with skill steers the realm's common wheel. Keep ever thy folk well in hand, and duly take stock of thy pelf. Ne'er trust to another alone or deposit, but act for thyself. What is done or undone to thy profit and loss, it is well thou shouldst know. Ever blame the blameworthy, and favor on them that deserve it bestow. Thou thyself, O great king, shouldst instruct thy people in every good way lest thy realm and thy substance should fall to unrighteous officials a prey. See that nothing is done by thyself or by others with overmuch speed, for the fool that so acts without doubt will live to repeat of the deed. To wrath one should never give way, nor let it do bounds overflow. It has led to the ruin of kings, and the proudest of houses lay low. Betray none in that thou art lord, to aught that is useless and vain, nor become thou to woman and men the cause of their sorrow and pain. When a king from all caution is free, and the pleasures of sense are his aim, should his riches and all disappear, to that king it is counted as shame. Herein is a text of thy duty, to each thee the way thou shouldst go, be an adept in every good work, to excess and to riot a foe. Study virtue, for vice ever leads to a state full of suffering and woe. Thus did Kundalini also teach the king his duty in eleven stanzas. The king was delighted, and addressing his courtiers asked them, saying, What is to be given to my daughter as a reward for her having spoken thus? 
the office of treasurer sire well then i grant her the post of treasurer and he appointed kundalini to the vacant post thenceforth she held the office and acted for the king here ends the story of the question of kundalini again the king after the lapse of a few days just as before sent a messenger to the wise jambuka and going there on the seventh day and being magnificently entertained he returned home and in the same manner took his seat in the centre of a pavilion a courtier placed the wise jambuka on a stool bound with gold and came bearing the stool on his head the wise bird sitting on his father's lap and playing with him at length took his seat on the golden stool then the king asking him a question spoke this stanza we've questioned both thy brother al and also fair kundalini now jambuka do thou in turn the highest power declare to me thus did the king in asking a question of the great being not ask him in the way in which he had asked the others but asked him in a special way then the wise bird said to him well sire listen attentively and i will tell you all and like a man placing a purse containing a thousand pieces of money into an outstretched hand he began his exposition of a king's duty amidst the great ones of the earth a fivefold power we see of these the power of limbs is sure the last in its degree and power of wealth o mighty lord the next is said to be the power of counsel third in rank of these o king i name the power of caste without a doubt is reckoned fourth in fame and all of these a man that's wise most certainly will claim of all these powers that one is best as power of wisdom known by strength of this a man is wise and makes success his own should richest realm fall to the lot of some poor stupid white another will by violence seize it in his despite however noble be the prince whose lot it is to rule he is hard put to live at all if he should prove a fool tis wisdom tests reports of deeds and makes men's fame to grow who is with wisdom gifted still finds pleasure e'en in woe none that are heedless in their ways to wisdom can attain but must consult the wise and just or ignorant remain who early rising shall betimes unweariedly give heed to duty's varied calls in life is certain to succeed no one that's bent on hurtful things or acts in listless mood and aught that he may undertake will come to any good but one that will unweariedly a rightful course pursue is sure to reach perfection in whatever he may do to safeguard one's store is to gain more and more and these are the things i would have thee to mind for the fool by ill deeds like a house built of reeds collapses and leaves rack and ruin behind thus did the bodhisatta in all these points sing the praises of the five powers and exalting the power of his wisdom like to one striking the orb of the moon with his words he admonished the king in ten stanzas unto thy parents warrior king do righteously and so by following a righteous life to heaven thou sire shalt go after uttering ten stanzas about the righteousness still further admonishing the king he spoke the concluding stanza herein is the text of thy duty to teach thee the way thou shouldst go follow wisdom and ever be happy 
the truth in its fullness to know. Thus did the great being, as though he were letting down the heavenly Ganges, teach the law with all the charm of a Buddha. And the multitude paid him great honor, and raised innumerable shouts of applause. The king was delighted, and, addressing his counselors, asked, How ought my son, wise Jambuka, with a beak like the fresh fruit of the rose-apple, to be rewarded for having spoken thus? With the post of commander-in-chief, sire. Then I offer him this post, he said, and appointed him to the vacant office, and thenceforth, in the position of commander-in-chief, he carried out the orders of his father. Great honor was paid to the three birds, and all three of them gave instruction in temporal and spiritual matters, the king abiding in the admonition of the great being, by almsgiving and other good works, became destined to heaven. The counselors, after performing the king's obsequies, speaking to the birds, said, My lord Jambu, the king ordered the royal umbrella to be raised over you. The great being said, I have no need of the kingdom. Do you exercise rule with all vigilance? And after establishing the people in the moral law, he said, Execute justice. And he had righteous judgment inscribed on a golden plate and disappeared in the forest. And his admonition continued in force forty thousand years. End of section forty four.